Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, a podcast exploring Christian faith and practice from a Reformed Baptist perspective. My name is Joe Thorne. I am the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. And Fofo ain't here. Unfortunately, out of well over 450 episodes, uh, this is going to be one of the rare ones where there's just one host. So uh, we've done this in the past when we've done interviews off-site, but um, today is just a normal day, but Jimmy can't make it. I think he's getting fitted for custom silk pajamas or something. I'm not exactly sure. I'm not 100%, but uh, I know he's very busy and he could not get away and it was a last minute sort of a thing and we don't want to leave you guys hanging. So we are dropping an article with just co just not even a co-host like it's just a host so you get you get half of the jofo just the joe i know it's not going to be as good but we wanted to give you some things to think about anyways and uh, jimmy and i've been talking about some of these things and so we're, we're going to get into it um today particularly around john piper's article that he released uh just recently um called uh, policies persons, and paths to ruin on the Desiring God website. Now, um, this has gotten a lot of play. People are writing responses. His friends are writing responses to it. And we've had a number of people ask us if we're going to address his article. And so we are going to talk a little bit about it because as election day approaches, it gets very, very close. Um, People are more and more, mm, I don't know, not just public, but even so almost frantic about who we should be voting for. And, uh, you know, we're, so we're hearing from Piper, we're hearing from Grudem, we're, we're hearing from a lot of different people uh, who are not only telling us who they are voting for, but they are advocating for particular candidates. And there's nothing really wrong with that. Um, I think there's value in talking about it and hearing why people are voting certain ways. But the tensions are high and the tribal lines have been drawn. And so when Piper writes this article, it's going to get a lot of play. Um, People are always eager to see what Piper has to say. Um, Even haters of Piper are eager to see what he has to say just so that they can hate on him. And if you read Piper's article, and I would encourage you to read it, when you read Piper's article, it's important to keep in mind that he is not telling you who to vote for. It's not the purpose of his his article at all. In fact, he says in the article... um, Where does that leave me as I face a civic duty on November 3rd? Here's my answer. I do not require anyone to follow me as if I could. Not my wife, not my friends, not my colleagues. So he's very clear saying, I'm not telling you how you need to vote or that you you need to vote in the way that I am voting. Instead, what he's doing is he's explaining why he will not vote for either Donald Trump or Joe Biden. Uh, He actually followed up his his article with a tweet explaining that uh, he would be voting uh, a third party or a write-in vote or something like that. So he's not voting for either candidate. But what he's doing in his article is he is essentially arguing that there is some unfair confusion over the value of understanding and pushing back against character sins versus policy sins. In other words, what Piper is arguing is that too many Christians are overlooking the sins in Trump's character because they think his policies are more righteous than Joe Biden's. And Piper is essentially saying that the character of a leader is just as important as the policy 
of a leader. And so even if you like his policies, you simply cannot discount his character and vote accordingly. That's what Piper's arguing for. Um, he's arguing really that what Piper says is that voting for either candidate essentially compromises your Christian witness. So here are a couple of things that, that Piper has to say. He says, is it not baffling then that so many Christians seem to be sure that they are saving human lives and freedoms by treating as minimal the destructive effects of the spreading gangrene of high-profile, high-handed, culture-shaping sin. In other words, you know, if, if Trump is you know, uh, politically and in terms of policy pro-life, more pro-life, um, his sins are going to cause perhaps not the same damage, but can create an equal level of damage in our, in our culture. He says this point has special relevance for Christians. Freedom and life are precious. We all want to live and be free to pursue happiness. But if our freedoms and even our lives are threatened or taken, the essence of our identity in Christ, the certainty of our everlasting joy with Christ, and the holiness and love for which we have been saved by Christ, none of these is lost with the loss of life and freedom. Therefore, he says, Christians communicate a falsehood to unbelievers who are also baffled when we act as if policies and laws that protect life and freedom are more precious than being a certain kind of person. The church is paying dearly and will continue to pay for our communicating this falsehood year after year. He says the justifications for ranking the destructive effects of persons below the destructive effects of policies ring hollow. I find it bewildering that Christians can be so sure that greater damage will be done by bad judges, bad laws, and bad policies than is being done by the culture-infecting spread of the gangrene of sinful self-exaltation and boasting and strife-stirring. So Piper is, is pushing this issue that you cannot overlook the character sins of a leader or of a, of a president and only look at his policies. You have to consider both because both are essentially equal in their danger. I'll tell you what I like about this article. I like that an article like this, and this article in particular, helps us to think through all of the issues, maybe um, some issues that we have been neglecting. It's really easy for us, it's really easy for me to go to bat for a person because I side with them for whatever reasons and then give them a pass in areas that I might find uncomfortable or even distasteful. I mean, you know what it's like when you're, you know, you have your friend, your, your, your close pals and, you know, they're, you, you have their back, they have your back and then they do something or they say something that is wrong. I mean, it's, it's really wrong. Maybe they sin in some way and you overlook it because you know who they are, you know what they're about, and you don't address it. Maybe you don't address it because you're embarrassed, you're embarrassed for them, you don't want to make things uncomfortable. But oftentimes the people that we like, the people that we even love, um, the people that we are for in one way or another get a pass, and maybe we don't really consider the problems and address the problems that should be addressed. And this is certainly true when we're talking about political leaders. Character does matter. And I don't I don't know a Christian, if, if asked seriously, does character matter in our leaders, who would say, well, no, it doesn't. It does matter. Um, so, but I like that he, he, he's pushing on this issue that uh, maybe, maybe 
Some people who are voting for Trump, some Christians who are choosing Trump, aren't weighing the significance of his sins, his personal sins. Um, I also like hearing different perspectives. Ultimately, I disagree with um, Piper here. I disagree with Piper uh, and, and his conclusion, and he seems to be ready for people to do that. But I always appreciate hearing other people's perspectives because I do learn from them. You know, I always find it funny how, you know, we've had people in the past say, well, I used to listen to that podcast, Doctrine and Devotion, but then they said something I disagreed with and pfft, just turned it off. Don't listen to them anymore. It's like, man, I disagree with almost everybody I listen to. If I didn't, if I only listened to people that I completely agreed with, I would have nobody. I listen to uh, atheists, uh, liberals, conservatives, uh, a Satanist. I, I, I hear all kinds of people on podcasts and um, because I, I'm curious about what they're saying and oftentimes understanding where they're coming from and what they believe helps me to understand my faith and how my faith either confronts or conflicts with their worldview and their approach. So I always like hearing different perspectives, especially if they're well-written or well-presented. I also like that this article also is pushing this idea that I'm a big believer in, and that is there is no worldly savior. There is, there is no king in this world who is going to save us or ultimately deliver us. So Piper's article is worth reading and um, don't just read the tweets of people responding to it. Go ahead and read the article. Now, what I want to do is I want to talk about uh, Wayne Grudem's response, uh, Sam Storm's response, um, Al Mohler's response, and I'm not going to read all of their stuff, but I, I want to at least give a sense of what other people are saying who are friends of John Piper who disagree with him. But before we get to that, I want to encourage you guys to check out Cross 20. They are sponsoring the episode, uh, this podcast uh, all month long. And Cross 20 is a special live stream conference going down December 29th and 30th. Uh, Cross 20, if you don't know, is uh, this year it's going to be a, an online conference, but it's aimed at helping 18-year-old to 25-year-old people who are finding their place in God's global plan. You're going to have speakers like David Platt, John Piper, right, uh, Kevin DeYoung, and others as they teach different aspects of the Lord's Prayer. Now, registration for this is inexpensive. It's only $10 per person. So uh, you can watch this from your office, from your living room. Uh, you can watch it wherever you want, which is nice, but you can even gather a group of people at your church, your campus ministry, or whatever, and watch it and enjoy it and benefit from it together. Now, if you want to register for the Cross 20 Conference, it's really easy. All you got to do is go to cross20.com. That's cross com. Go there and register. Um, I think it will be worth your time. And we, we want to um, see people get a better sense of what God is doing, uh, not just in our neck of the woods, but across the world. All right. So Wayne Grudem actually wrote a response, um, as, as did others. And uh, Grudem, you can find uh, his response on the Christian Post. It's called A Respectful Response to My Friend John Piper About Voting for Trump. And uh, it's a good article. It's not real long, but it's, it's definitely worth your time. And what Grudem says is that there is a difference between the personal influence of a leader's example, which can be rejected, and laws that compel obedience. 
So he's not disagreeing that the character of a leader matters or that the sin of a leader could influence a culture. But he is saying that a leader's personal influence is more limited than the policies or the laws that he or she establishes because the laws compel obedience, whereas influence can be rejected outright. Um, He says political policies are not in general more important than personal character, but they are the primary factor to consider in a political election. Because Christians in particular, and the culture at large, uh, I think when we look at Trump, we don't see a leader worth emulating. Certainly there are a lot of people who do see that, but the Christians that I know in particular, at least the ones that I know, um, they don't look at Trump and go, I want to be like that guy. You know, what I always say to people is, um, I wouldn't want my son to be like Trump, and I wouldn't want my daughters to marry a man like Trump. (laughs) Uh, most Christians recognize that he has serious moral flaws. And I, I think they're obvious. You know, it, at, at the very least, he doesn't seem to hide those things. Those things are out there in the open. Um, in fact, uh, Grudem says, Christians who support Trump do not encourage imitation of his flaws, but openly criticize them. And that has been my experience. Um, and not just Christians, but others. Ben Shapiro is a person who is voting for Trump, and he's a well-known conservative pundit. Uh, but he is one who is constantly addressing Trump's remarks, his mistakes, his sins, uh, and he's pretty clear about it. And so that's just one example, but there are many people who call out his, his problems. Um, you know, Grudem says a lot of things. Uh, he tends to have a more positive evaluation of Trump's character than Piper does. I don't want to get into that because I don't, I don't know enough about Trump's positive character qualities are not as evident, but what we do see on display are his, are his corruptions, his sins. But Grudem says with Trump, and this is where he's going, he says with Trump, we will get good policies and character flaws, but with Biden, we will get bad policies and character flaws. So one of the things that Grudem is saying is, well, there's two things here. And so one, you might totally disagree with. If you don't like Trump's policies, the appointment of the judges that he, he chooses, the, the prison reform or um, the, uh, the protection of the Second Amendment or the, um, the investment of, of monies into minority communities. Uh, if, you, if you don't like his policies, the actual policies, not his rhetoric, but if you don't like his policies, then you would disagree with this. But Grudem says that um, he likes Trump's policies, uh, though he loathes his character, or at least it finds character flaws. But with Biden, you still get the bad character, but with accompanying bad policies. And this is something that other people pick up on, which is you're, it, it's easy to, to, to point out Trump's character flaws because they are so on the sleeve. They are so obvious. Whereas other people who might seem more civil can have this, can have just as, uh, deep and deeply flawed characters as, as Trump does, but they don't seem as abrasive. Grudem says, um, when an election determines what kind of policies and laws we will have, and when both candidates have character flaws, then differences in policies and laws have primary importance. So 
this is Grudem's response. Should, it, makes, it makes a lot of sense. It's, it's pretty clear. You can disagree with him or you can disagree with Piper. But Grudem says supporting Trump for his good policies while criticizing his flaws and respecting another person's political judgment does not compromise a person's Christian witness, which is what Piper said is happening. If you vote for either one of these candidates, right? If you, or if you vote for Trump, I mean, really, and that's, I think, the, 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 the through line here. You can't vote for a guy who is, uh, who is this corrupt. If you do, you are betraying your Christian witness. But he says, rather, if you vote for him while criticizing him, uh, Grudem says, you are supporting a pathway to cultural improvement, not a pathway to cultural corruption and eternal ruin. I, for one, uh, tend to agree I think I certainly do not think that a person's vote, their strategic, well thought out uh, choice for who they're going to vote for for president, uh, necessarily violates their Christian witness. In, in this case, I don't. In general, I don't think that's the case. Christians are trying to figure out what to do in a world that is not their home. It's complicated. It's messy. We belong to a different kingdom. We we are. We are strangers here, exiles here, and while we are sent into this world, both to love God and to love our neighbor as the church to uh, carry out the Great Commission, we're trying to make sense of this world, and politically, we have to make choices. And the Christians that I know that vote various ways, some of them I think were making mistakes, some of them thought I was making a mistake, but we're all trying to please the Lord. And I don't think that you are betraying your Christian witness by making a choice. Let me just go back to the previous election in 2016. We had people in our church that voted for Trump, and we had people in our church that voted for Hillary. We had people who voted a third party, and we had people who chose not to vote out of principle. And I respect all of those people. I think some of those people made unwise choices. I think some of those people um, made better choices, given the facts, at least from, from my perspective, but in the end, I don't doubt that any of them were actually trying to honor God. And I would say that I don't think, even if they voted for the candidate that I completely find abhorrent, I, I don't think that they are betraying their Christian witness. So uh, I just don't think it really comes down to that. Sam Storms actually hits on this issue of character flaws really well in his article. Um, his response is called A Brief Reflection on John Piper's Recent Article Concerning the Presidential Election. So you can check that out. All of these will be linked in the show notes. Let me just read a little bit from him because here he's talking, you know, people tend to focus on, on Trump's character problems. Um, Sam kind of tilts it the other way, right? He says, for example, for a person to support, endorse, or encourage the torture, dismemberment, and wholesale slaughter of precious babies in the womb is a clear and unmistakable indication of a wretched moral character. There is something fundamentally flawed in any human soul that would contend women should have the right to kill their babies. This is as grievous as a flaw, perhaps even more so, than any of the character deficiencies we see in our president. He goes on, for a person to support, endorse, and encourage sexual perversion is a clear and unmistakable indication of a wretched moral character. Our nation is progressively sliding down a path toward the destruction of the biblical model of what marriage is, what family is, and what constitutes biblical sexual morality. No, we aren't sliding down the path. We're there already. The Supreme Court decision to legitimize so-called same-sex marriage testifies to that fact. The fact that there are multiple parades in our country that celebrate 
Pride and the sort of sexual misconduct that the Bible says ought to evoke shame is another indication of how far we have fallen. And for a person to run a campaign for president that endorses such reprehensible conduct is itself a clear sign of serious moral, philosophical, and theological flaws in one's soul. It is not loving to endorse and encourage behavior in a person that puts his or her soul in danger of eternal damnation. One more paragraph I'll read. He says, for a person to support and encourage a 10-year-old children uh, to make up their own minds about whether uh, about what gender they wish to be is horribly destructive of any semblance of responsible parenting and puts the souls of these precious young people in serious jeopardy. You see where, where, where Sam is going. So Sam is saying, like, you know, you, it, it's easy to say, well, Trump's character flaws are really bad and his policies are good. But Trump's character flaws are not worse than Biden's. And so it comes back to the, this, this policy issue. What are we going to do? What are we going to say? What will be our testimony? Look, uh, Christians vote, right? Some Christians don't vote on principle. And in fact, there's historical precedent for that. I'm not mad at Christians who don't vote on principle. I am annoyed at people who don't vote because they're lazy. Uh, or because they just don't care. But on principle, people that don't vote, that's, you know, fine, whatever. I don't get worked up about who other people vote for. I care about who I vote for. And of course, I care in general about how our country votes, and I have, I'm invested. I've already voted. I voted early, because I'm going to be traveling uh, here on, on election day. But Christians who vote, thoughtfully vote because they love their neighbor. Hopefully, I hope that's why you vote. We vote because we love our neighbor. We're supposed to love them as we love ourselves, so we seek their good as we seek our good. And when you're voting for politicians, you're voting for the management of power. You're voting for the management of, of the revenue that we give to the government. We, we want to see justice and mercy uh, accomplished. You know, we, we want to see the protection of, of liberty. We want to see people flourish. And so that's why we vote. And what we're doing is, is we're seeking the best strategy possible in a way that allows us to move forward, that agrees with Scripture, and is consistent with our conscience, right? I'm not going to go, I, I went in and I voted. You want to know who I voted for? Jimmy and I will probably talk about who we vote for on an upcoming episode. We'll go ahead and let you know. But for now, let me just say that we're, we seek the best strategy as Christians, as individuals who are a part of the city of God and a part of the city of man, we want to find out what's the most consistent way I can vote that matches with my understanding of scripture and the gospel and all of that, and is also in line with my conscience. And here's the thing. If my candidate doesn't win, I don't despair. Now, I'll be disappointed, and I might be fearful for the the, the fallout that happens in our country, but I don't despair because Christians shouldn't lift their head after election day because their candidate won. We lift our heads and walk in confidence because we have believed in a king who already rules and who reigns perfectly. This, this world is valuable because God made it. This world is, is something that we should be invested in because God has sent us into it as his, as his ambassadors, the ambassadors of his son. 
but it's not our home. And this world is perishing. It is passing away. That doesn't give me a sense of complacency. It gives me a sense of earnestness to live and act and do all that I can for the good of others and for the glory of God. But my confidence and my hope is that Jesus lives, that Jesus reigns. In fact, that's what allows us in the church to remain unified even during a crazy and chaotic political season. This is the most divided I think our country has, has been, well, certainly in a long, long time. Because we're not, we're not even divided between two camps. We are splintered into so many different factions where if you disagree with me, you are a bad person. Like that, that's the general consensus it seems to be. And so while the world is fracturing and splintering apart, as Christians, we have the opportunity to talk these things out to vote in a line with Scripture and our conscience, to disagree with one another, and yet remain united in faith and in love for one another. Because we are brothers and sisters who belong to a different kingdom. This is why Peter says in 1 Peter 2, verses 11 and 12, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. You see, we are sojourners. We're passing through. We are exiles from home. And so here we live in a world that we don't call home, and yet we're not told to be idle or complacent or disinterested. We're not told to, to give up on this planet, on this, the, these politics. Instead, we're supposed to keep our conduct among the Gentiles, that is, our conduct in the world among unbelievers, honorable. We should be following Christ, obeying the Lord, keeping his law, honoring God in all that we do, and not just in, in the choices that we make, but the attitudes that we hold toward one another. Because what's going to change the lives, the hearts, the minds of the people in this country? Ultimately, it's not going to be a president. It's going to be the person of Jesus Christ who speaks his truth in his word and uses his people as his representatives, as his prophets. We preach the gospel and we demonstrate the grace of God and the transforming work of God in our lives. And our hope is that as they see God in us, they will one day glorify God. That's what we want. That, that's, that's what I want. That's what I want for my neighborhood. So keep it in mind as you're voting. In just a few days, you're going to be casting your vote if you haven't voted early, like me. I voted early, nice and easy, in and out, boom, boom, boom. It was a good time. Felt good about it. And I'm not conflicted about my vote. I don't feel torn. I, uh, I, I voted in accordance with my conscience. What I think is, is best for the country, my conscience is clear. It's possible that I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. And if I am, praise God that Christ forgives us if I have sinned. And um, praise God that he teaches us and grants us wisdom to learn and to grow. Nevertheless, I do think I made a wise choice, and um, I encourage you 
to do the same. Seek wisdom. If you're going to vote, I hope you do. If you're going to vote, vote what you believe is the righteous. Vote. I'm not saying vote for the righteous man. I'm saying make a righteous vote. Vote for the best. I'm, I'm, I'm not a big believer in what we have. We're choosing between the lesser of two evils. It's all evil. It, I mean, it's all evil. There is, I, I'm, I'm not confident in any politician, but strategically, I want something to happen. And if I can move things on my part, I want to do it. So we're eager to hear your thoughts on all of this. And I know some of you keep asking, well, what are you guys voting? Somebody wanted to know, um, why, why is Jimmy like dead set on not voting for Trump in this election? Uh, and Jimmy has never said he is not voting for Trump or that he is voting for Trump. He hasn't said either way. Um, we tend to make fun of all of the political candidates because they're all, well, to put it nicely, goofy. But um, yeah, well, I think we'll share. I think we'll wind up sharing who we voted for. You're just going to have to wait for another episode when Jimmy is done with his pajama fitting. For now, you can jump on social media. You can hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at Doc and Devo. On Facebook, it's facebook.com slash Doctrine and Devotion. You can hit our website, doctrineanddevotion.com. There you'll find articles, some videos, all of our podcasts, and we have a store, jofostore.com. You can go there and you can grab some gear, t-shirts and whatnot, and we've got some new t-shirts on the way, maybe even hoodies if you guys are nice to us in the comments and no, don't blast don't blast me for trying to do a, an episode by myself if you're mean no hoodies there you go so now you got to be nice uh we got fresh pod coming to you every monday and thursday so stay tuned